Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. The following is rated MA. Some people may find it offensive. It contains language, adult themes and immature content, as well as fart jokes. There will be lots of fart jokes. Listener discretion is advised. You've been warned. Welcome to the Weekly Wodge, and before we rip in, a huge thank you to all of you for your support. We've been bashing them out for the first two months. The feedback from you guys has been enormous, and your support, wow, just overwhelming. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you. You are legends. We're trying to find the right mix of serious, fun, modern day, yesterday, etc., etc., and we think you're pointing us in the right direction. If you'd like to hear from someone in particular or a topic, a theme, a moment, whatever, we'd love to know. You can email us at mailbox at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au and we'll jump onto it. If you really want to help out when you're done listening here, throw a five-star rating our way on whatever app you're listening on. You can write a short review too, we'd love it. Don't know why it helps, it just does, it's not for ego, but the ratings and reviews actually help us on search engines as we grow and spread the word, it just makes it easier for others to find us. To our wonderful sponsors, thank you for your trust and support. Griffin Air, for all your air conditioning requirements as we come into summer. They're in the greater Sydney metro area. Check them out, griffinair.com.au. And to Galaxy Finance, simply the best for all your financial concerns, queries or solutions. Check them out, galaxyfinance.com.au. This is the Weekly Watch on Andy Raymond Unfiltered, and it's feature interview time. Joining us this week, a wonderful footballer, a wonderful bloke, and now a wonderful father. 14 weeks old, his first little baby girl, Michael Morgan. Important things first, how's Penelope? Yeah, she's really good. She's, um, oh, look, doing all the simple things well, eating and sleeping well, so... Um, yeah, Bree, my wife and I, were very happy so far. It's been good, enjoyable. She looked like mum or dad. Um, oh, a lot of people say me. Oh, uh, no. I don't see it. I'm hoping. I'm hoping she looks more like Bree. Yeah. <laughs> it's a game changer, isn't it? The firstborn, you very quickly prioritise life. Yeah, it is. Um, look, we've really enjoyed it. She's been very easy. We've been pretty lucky. I feel bad saying it sometimes because you hear. Some people find it hard, I think. Um, but no, we've been very lucky. So, yeah, look, 99% of it has been extremely enjoyable. And, we're yeah, we're both doing really well. It's great. Let's wind the clock yeah. back to 2009, mate. Uh, you came into the National Youth Competition, which I think it's a shame it's not here anymore because it, it produced some wonderful footballers. You came in as a number nine. Yeah, my, actually, my debut in the 20s was at, at Hooker. Um, I forget that sometimes. Too much tackling in there for me now. <laughs> Um, no, I, I actually really enjoyed playing hooker too. I used to um, like it. Used to through high school, it was probably where I wanted to play. 
Yep. And I played a fair bit of footy my first year of like opens footy in high school was at Hooker. Um, and then, yeah, that the 20s, when I made the 20s team, it was sort of all happened out of the blue. I only started training with them full time after Christmas that year. Um, and yeah, ended up getting the nod for, yeah, to start hooking. I played 80 minutes too, because someone went down pretty early. Um, so I had to play 80 minutes in the middle, which was a test. Wonderful era of young blokes coming through in North Queensland. You made the grand final, I think, in, I'll say 2011 in the NYC, but it was a footy side, absolutely chockers full of talent. Yeah, it was. Um, oh, look, for yeah, the 20s thing we had, and it was pretty, pretty experienced team as well. We had a couple of years together before we got yep. to 2011, so everyone in that team started quite young. You know, guys like Wayne Alugia, who I think still has the most, finished with most 20s games yep. ever played. Um, Moses Pangai, Jason Tomalolo, Kyle Felt, Chris Creswell. So um, there are a number of guys there who have either played first grade or should have played a lot more first grade, I think. Yeah, had the potential to. What do you remember of your NRL debut? It was uh, 2010. You're an 18-year-old pup. Yeah, I don't remember too much of the game, actually. Um, I remember the week leading up. It was a Monday night game, which I used to hate playing Monday night games. Um, But I found out the week ahead, so I had to sit through the whole weekend of footy, um, sit there nervous watching all the games, and I finally got to play on the Monday night. So it was a cold night down in Sydney at um, SFS. Um, as it was then and yeah we won so which we didn't win too many games that year as a club so to win my debut was pretty special that year I recall watching you come through the under 20 system and I was there on a Monday night the night that you did make your debut Um, the term shitting oneself probably comes to mind you're a very nervous young man pre-game yeah I was Um, well I'd yeah, I'd never played against men before or anything. So it was um, the highest level I'd played at was under 20s. So the oldest person I'd played against was 20 years old. So it was uh, it was probably, it was a big step. One that, you know, looking back now, I probably wasn't ready for. I, I was quite young. I'd only just turned 18 uh, in December. And I think that was around nine or something. So I was pr- pretty young. Um, yeah, so that is one good way to describe how I was feeling, I guess. And that was me all week. <laughs> From hooker in NYC, a little bit of halves, then fullback in first grade. You've certainly proven your versatility very early in your career. Yeah, um, look, the year at fullback probably helped me more than anything, I think, because I, I, you know, 2010 when I made my debut, I had four games that year, four games in 2011. Uh, I think I don't know a handful, 13 maybe in 2012, and yep. the halves again, 13. I didn't play too many, and then I was playing in the centres for Mackay Cutters. Um, so fullback sort of, I never really enjoyed the halves too much at that point in my career. It was, um, I wasn't someone who wanted to, you know, tell people what to do too often. I didn't feel like I had the right to do that with uh, guys that were in the team and people being older than me. I think just from a respect thing for yep. the people around me. So fullback, I didn't have to do that. I could listen, uh, pop up where I wanted to and, you know, uh, with Jono at halfback, I could follow him around and um, turn up where I wanted to. So it took that pressure off me, I guess, and that sort of freed me up to just focus on my own game. And um, yeah, it helped me a lot. Wonderful combination with Jonathan Thurston over the years. They say the truly great ones aren't always able to coach. They just do. Was he able to guide you and coach you as a more senior player of the side or did he just do things instinctively? Well, oh, he was a very instinctive player. Um, he still had, you know, in the back of his mind a game plan to stick to and that yep. kind of thing. But something he was very good at, I think, 
what made him better once Greeny first got to the club was um, he always he always, he could always play instinctive footy, but when we needed to fall back into a game plan into a tough grinding game, we probably didn't have that as much, and he'd never had that. So I think um, when Greeny got there, really brought some a bit more structure to the place, um, something that hadn't really been uh, pushed or not a way that he JT had played before. Um, so I think that made him better, and um, you know those few years we had um, through that period. Um, with some of the best years of footy that he played. So um, it's no coincidence that that's why we went so well as well. Um, so, yeah, uh, but, and then, so, like I said, he still had that game management style about him and he could, yeah, teach that and think about where you are on different parts of the field and different parts of the game and what to think about, yeah. Speaking of Paul Green, there is a theory that has gone around for years that whatever position the coach played, he is harder on those positions in the team he is coaching. But obviously, it also has its benefits because Paul Green was a hell of a footballer. Yeah, he was. Um, he, he's very smart, so he understands the game well, and um, he does his best to. Um, so I certainly, particularly that first year of fourteen, I learnt some more that year. Well, the first two years because I, when his first year that he was there, I was at fullback, yep. and then the following year I went to five eight. So those two years, I probably learnt more than I ever have before about footy. Um, and he was very good at teaching that. Um, so yeah, look, I, I learned so much over that period because um, I'd never really had that too much before either. That teaching and, like I said, ways to think about the game differently, what to think in your when you're in a certain part of the field. For so long, it had just been um, instinctive. You just sort of play whatever you see, and like Greeny just brought some structure and um, that around the place. So. Um, yeah, look, I, I really did yeah, learn so much and it was probably from so long of him playing in the halves as well, yeah. But he can um, can have a blow-up, yeah, <laughs> certainly at halves and that, about, um, probably because he thinks he could have done it better himself. Bingo. Mate, I've heard for many years that uh, in commentary that you're a big body. Have you ever heard that? Because it's something I often scratch my head in because you're not that big body. I see a big body as... A Jack White and a Brayton Astor, a, a Trent Barrett at five eight. I think you've been unfairly tagged as a monster. Might be carrying a little bit of extra weight. Um, no, I don't know. I've always been the last probably three, oh, yeah, three four years. I've started about 93, 94 kilos. Um, so I haven't changed too much. When I first came in, I was, I was, I don't know, eighty six, eighty seven kilos when I made my debut. Yep. Um, so yeah, I've sat at the same weight for a few years now. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why. I I feel like I'm just I'm not small, but I don't feel like I'm big. I just feel like I'm quite average size. Yeah. Tough year for you, buddy. Uh, is it really tough at the moment watching State of Origin? It is. Yeah. I I um yeah. It's I'd obviously like to be there, it's, and it's all a bit different this year. The way they're back in a bubble and that kind of thing. So I've been able to enjoy a holiday this year and um, sort of just really rest my body and um, try and get it right. The shoulder obviously caused more dramas this year than what we thought it was going to when we decided to operate on it. So that wasn't ideal. And um, yeah, I, and I thought the best thing for me, look, whether I made the team or not, I just thought the best thing for me was to rule myself out um, early on. And, and while, when Kevy still had the job, I let Kevy know that um, no, I wouldn't be available for selection, um, you know, so and that was purely just to yeah have a have a good break, have a good bit of time off now, enjoy it, and go back to a preseason fresh, ready to go. It's always a pleasure, mate. You're one of the good guys. Uh, look after that beautiful young daughter of yours, Penelope. Enjoy your time holidaying at the moment because preseason isn't far away, and we look forward to chatting again soon. Appreciate it, Andy. Thanks for having me, mate. Bye.
You're listening to Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Want to be part of the team? We have both corporate and private sponsorship packages available. You set the terms. Check out the website at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au or send an email to Terry, that's with an I, at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. Now, this one slipped under the radar. Rugby Union's first ever five-point conversion has actually been kicked. No shit. Dropping on in, the legend, (laughs) the man, the monster, and a lover of a cold beer from the Aussie Rugby Show podcast, Sean Maloney, what's doing with five-pointers? Well, Andy Raymond, what better place to launch the five-point conversion than in Bermuda? At the Rugby Tens, which has just kicked off. Wouldn't that be a nice place to be right about now? A couple of cold ones, cold ones. Watching guys knock over five-point conversions. So what happens is it's in the game of Tens. So Tens has that balance of you can still have a scrum five uh, five in there and then you've got your five backs. But now if you score a try, there are zones that you can opt to take a shot, a conversion from. And if you want to take it to the sideline, head on over, whip it through and bag yourself five Big ones. That's from the sideline and the other side of halfway, is it? That's right. You can really look the cannon one down the field. And I tell you what, oh. with the winds that rip through that part <laughs> of the world at this time of the year, there are a couple going very close as well. Kicking towards the Bermuda Triangle end <laughs> of the ground. Uh, it's called Conversion Jeopardy. And, and in due respect to the tennis side game, because it is exciting, but there is a genuine chance to tinker with traditional rules, have a little bit of fun, because basically you're just trying to open the eyes of potential fans. You are, and we've seen this a little bit, mate, with a lot of tinkering around different formats of the game. We've obviously got sevens, which I'm heavily involved yeah. with. But last year we had the five-a-side indoor tournament kickoff over at the O2 Arena in London, and they had a situation where uh, you could try for extra points with a one-on-one battle. Yep. So you, you just cordon off so you can send in a big man to try and steamroll a little man or a little man to try and get around a uh, another bloke. So there's these little tinkers and evolutions which I quite like. Five aside, seven aside, ten aside, fifteen aside. I'm waiting for 38 aside and I'm going to let my fitness <laughs> do the talking. Always a pleasure. Thanks for dropping in, my man. Nineteen seventies porn star music for no reason at all other than it made me laugh. <laughs> the postie on his shitbox has been the mail is in. Stringer asks. What's your favourite place on the sunny coast to eat and what's been your favourite burger? Mate, two questions. I can answer that with one answer. Rick's Garage in Palmwoods. 20 minutes inland, great joint, even greater feed. Rip into a big Rick's burger. Make sure you send us the pictures. They're gigantic and superb. Uncle Vita sent in a question. Who's your top five players of all time and why? Love my lists. But not going to give anything away just yet, mate. We're starting a series called Six Packer Superstars coming soon. 
a list, six to one, of different sports, athletes, stories, teams, and most importantly, why. It's always great for a debate or an argument or a stink, and plenty of theories get tossed around. But my top six, I guarantee, will surprise most of you. Maybe shows my age a little too. You send the questions in mailbag. I will answer them. Send them to mailbox at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. Sport is about moments, the ones you just don't forget. That win, that miss, almost. Celebration, frustration, never forgotten. Let's wind back the clock. It was January 21, 2017, Bellator Fighting Championships number 170. Chael Sonnen, the American gangster, one of my all-time faves against the original Huntington Beach bad boy, Tito Ortiz. Both fighters were coming off losses, Sonnen to Rashad Evans in his final UFC appearance, and Ortiz was actually upset by Liam McGeary about 16 months beforehand. The trash talk was all time for this fight, and it got personal, very, very personal. The referee was the legend, Big John McCarthy, and we caught up with him about the fight and the stoppage. You... In the cage with Tito Ortiz and Chael Sonnen. The fight was called off, but the action didn't stop. You take up the story. <laughs> How do you know about those things? <laughs> you know, that was a, there was some heated... Uh, that was part of Chael Sonnen, man. Yeah. Chael, he might have crossed the line on uh, what he did in the press for that fight. He was definitely trying to get under Tito's skin, and he did. You know, Tito always considered himself a, a trash talker and someone that could, you know, uh, compete with words. And against Chael, he was just out outmatched. And uh, Chael said things about his ex-wife and different things that were not too kind. But, uh, you know, when the fight started and uh, Chael, uh, he got caught in the choke and then he eventually tapped to the choke. And, you know, I, told, I said stop and I went to break it and Tito did not want to let go. And so, you know, again, these are things you, you, you tell yourself and figure out, okay, how am I going to break it? What am yeah. I going to do? And I, I had at an earlier fight long ago, I tried to pull a guy's arms apart. And it's not easy just to pull someone's arms mm. from that position. So I took my thumb and put it into his trachea and pressed down quite uh, firmly, vigorously, let's vigorously, say. yeah. And Tito immediately let go, and he went, "God, God damn, John! I told you to let go, man. I told you to stop." And it's, you know, it was uh, that was my way of breaking it. It worked. <laughs> Want to know what's coming up on the podcast? Well, stalk us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Andy Raymond. Share the love and share the posts. I hope you're enjoying the Legends series, profiling the biggest names and the best stories and giving you a complete picture. I'm certainly enjoying it. And again, if there's someone you desperately love to hear from, please get in touch. The most recent episode of the Legends series was Mal Meninga, a three-part series. Awesome. The next one is Kevin Walters, and it is truly unfiltered. My uh, head coaching career has been with State of Origin, so three games a year for the last um, four years. So, you know, I, I don't want to change who I am or the person I am and I make sure that if if that is happening in some way, I've got some good people around me that pull me aside and say, listen, you're, you're going to 
bit silly here or you're losing your marbles. Yeah. That's not you, the person that you, you need to be or, or we need you to be. So as yet, no, but I'm sure, you know, in a, in a 20-week or 25, six-week grind of the NRL, things may be a little bit different, but I, I wouldn't envisage that I would change all that much throughout that period. I've told you face-to-face before. I've also told Laurie Daly, and it's just my opinion, I think you're too nice a guy to be a head coach. Have you been told that before because you you lack that bit of bastard in you? No, I've got bastard in me, Andy. Is you that just, right? You, you just haven't seen it, okay. mate. You just haven't seen it. I mean, you know, um, you, you don't have the career that, that I had as a player without having that bastardness in yeah. you and that, that, that drive to be successful. Um. I'm, am I different to to other people? Of course I am, but not everyone's the same. And you know, I do have that inner drive, that drive to be successful, and I will do whatever it takes to make sure that yep. that happens. So yeah, I'm calling you out on that one, Andy. That's bullshit. To quote the great Ricky Bobby, "If you're not first, you're last." Long before participation trophies, winners were celebrated, second place forgotten. Let's look back at this week in sporting history. In 1884, police arrested boxer John L. Sullivan, known as the Boston Strong Boy, for being cruel in the second round of a fight in France. Bare-knuckle boxing, as it was then, was illegal. Interesting side note, many authorities consider Sullivan the first ever genuine world heavyweight champion. In 1954, Great Britain defeated France to capture the first ever Rugby League World Cup in Paris in front of 30,000 fans. In 1962, the legendary Wilt Chamberlain scored 73 points himself for the San Francisco Warriors as they were then versus the New York Knicks. In 1979, Tony Franklin of the Philadelphia Eagles kicked a massive 59-yard field goal, the longest in NFL history. And that mark actually lasted until 2013 when Matt Prater of the Denver Broncos kicked a 64-yarder. Then in 1998, the ball hit by Babe Ruth for his first ever home run at Yankee Stadium sold at auction for about 170,000 Australian bucks. Want to win an unfiltered trucker's hat? Go to Apple, Spotify or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast. Then, simply give us a five-star rating and review. Write whatever you want. We don't care. It's the stars that matter. Funniest weekly review wins the prize. Simple. Every week, we're giving away an unfiltered trucker's hat to the best review on Apple Podcasts. This week, we're going to give away two to Stringer and a Jezza. Thanks for your kind words, fellas. Get in touch. We'll send out a trucker's hat this week. League, Union, Masters Golf, cricket squads have been announced. We're ready for summer. It's sports heaven at the moment, and I love it. So, back to the real world we go. Have a great week, legends, and don't forget to back Pikey in the last.